Um, let's go ahead and begin uh, our study of the text. So let's read it together as a whole. We'll pray and then we'll get into our study this morning. I see Ashley and Elisha joining us from Sonoma. Wonderful. Again, everyone apologize for the technical difficulties, uh, but we will persevere and we're going to get into God's word now. So Exodus 15, 1 through 18. Please follow along with me now as I read God's word. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning and we acknowledge that you are the creator of heaven and earth. Lord, you are not only the creator of the world, but you are the only savior, the only redeemer, the only one who is acting in the world to save it from sin and death. There is none like you, no, not one. Lord, we come before you and we believe and we trust in these stories, these stories of what you have done in history how you really saved this people for yourself, Israel. You saved them out of bondage from Egypt. You brought them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with many splendor and wonders. You parted the Red Sea and you delivered your people. You brought them into the promised land. But Lord, we know the story does not end there because the story is one of the unfaithfulness of your people as a response to your glory and grace. Lord, the enduring problem remained, not just of Egypt, but of the Egypt in us, the sin that remains in every human being. And so, Lord, we look to Jesus this morning. We look to Jesus as the one who not only saves us from the pharaohs of this world, but the pharaohs of sin and death. Lord, we pray that this morning there would be a special word for each and every single one of us. Lord, I believe you have already done mighty works in our lives. And many times we forget these things. We forget to thank you. We forget to praise you. We forget to trust you, Lord. Many times in the present, Lord, we forget who you are. 
in light of what else we see going on in the world, we are tempted to neglect or even disbelieve your character and your attributes, which the scriptures assure us of. Lord, and certainly as we look to the future, and there is so much uncertainty, it is easy to fail to trust you that you are the Lord of the future as well as the past and the present. And so, Lord, it is my prayer that you would excite and increase faith and trust in your people today. We pray for a blessing over this study of your word, and we pray that you would empower and equip your people to go forward in faith and trust and praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone, again, thank you so much for joining. Looks like we mostly got uh, our previous audience back. So again, I thank you, all of you, for your tremendous patience. I know studies say that in the modern world with technology and fast food and all that kind of stuff, people's patience <laughs> is wearing thinner and thinner and thinner. Uh, do all of you remember dial-up internet? Do you remember when that was happening? And now it's like, if if I have to wait five seconds for a, a web page to load, I'm like, what's going on? I'm going to call Fios and Frontier and I'm going to switch on this. So I really, really do. I don't take for granted your patience and uh, taking the time to follow us over and um, to the video. So again, thank you so much. Uh, we're going through the book of Exodus. And like I said, this is the first song of praise in the Bible. It's the first worship song of the Bible. So it's remarkable for that reason. I also think there's a number of things that are very important about this text. So one of the things I've been thinking about personally for myself and for us as Christians is how can we learn to trust the Lord more? How can we learn to trust the Lord more, especially in light of all that's going on? And I know that like many of you, it's hard to trust a lot of things and a lot of people that maybe in the past I would have trusted. There's just certain things you take for granted, right? You just trust certain things will will be as they were. I don't know how it was for all of you, but this last 4th of July was one of the weirdest, it, it is, it was the weirdest 4th of July uh, we've ever had. I mean, the idea that, you know, on the 4th of July, fireworks shows, official ones anyway, I know the neighborhoods were going off, but uh, probably the best ones ever, actually, as far as the neighborhood went. But as far as the, the, the city shows, the official public shows, I know many of them were being shut down and everyone's staying in. And I don't know about you, but I really reflected on many things that, that I trust in, that I, that I take for granted, that I assume will be there tomorrow. And more and more I'm seeing that's, that's not necessarily true. There's many things we have all come to expect and to believe that will always be there and that can't be taken and our trust is being shaken, and, and in many cases, rightly so. These certain things may not be there. But sometimes we wrongly cast that mistrust onto the Lord. When things don't go our way, when, you know, when we lose our jobs, when our, our income goes down, when the, the government is not just, I mean, we, you know, everybody, there's always political arguments. That's been going on forever. But fundamentally, when you start experiencing fundamental mistrust, not just secondary, but even primary things like, I'm not sure I can trust you to make the big decisions. It's, it's easy to become very, very unsettled in our core. And as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't transfer that onto God. So I know many believers right now, even though it's prompted by a lack of trust in things around us, we have to be careful we don't cast that onto the Lord because the Lord hasn't changed. There's no reason to mistrust the Lord. And yet, nevertheless, for some of us, we may be struggling with trust. So I've been asking myself, how can we come to trust the Lord more? And one of the basic, it's so simple, it, it's one of those things, uh, kind of a dumb moment, but I think sometimes the most profound things are the most basic and the most simple things. And the one of the key ways in which you and I can increase our trust, to have our trust increased, is praise. Praise increases the trust of God's people. 
Praise is a spiritually formative act. It does something. I know for many people, praise is more of maybe it's it's it boils down to music and it's kind of like this is you know this is just something i like or it's something i want and we think of musical taste we know how popular music is it's it makes tons and tons of money and people listen to it everywhere they go while they're driving to work while they're working out at the gym or wherever they are they love music going to concerts so people love music and so a lot of times when it comes to christian worship uh, many people just kind of look at the praise and the worship in, in that sense. Like, do, do I like this? Is this something I enjoy? But again, praise is actually something quite different than that. And praise is a spiritually formative act. It has the power to change you. I love what one Old Testament scholar said about praise. He said this, quote, Praise is the duty and delight, the ultimate vocation of the human community, indeed of all creation. Yet all life is aimed toward God and finally exists for the sake of God. Praise articulates and embodies our capacity to yield, submit, and abandon ourselves in trust and gratitude to the one whose we are. Praise is not only a human requirement and a human need, it is also a human delight. We have a resilient hunger to move beyond self, to return our energy and worth to the one from whom it has been granted. In our return to that one, we find our deepest joy. That is what it means to glorify God and to enjoy God forever, end quote. I, I love that. Praise articulates and embodies our capacity to yield and submit and abandon ourselves in trust. So praise is an act of trust. We are trusting God. It proceeds not only from some element of pre-existing trust that we have, and yet it is also a tool that God actually uses to increase our trust. So if all that's true, what do you and I have to praise God for today? What do we have to praise God for? Well, one of the things we do when we look to scripture, we are given reasons for praise. And as we look at this Psalm of Moses, I broke this Song of Moses into three sections. Number one, we're going to look at Israel praising the Lord for salvation past. Number two, we're going to look at Israel praises God for who he is in the present. And number three, we're going to look at how Israel praises God for what he will do in the future. So number one, Israel praises the Lord for salvation past. And we see this in verse 1, verses 4 through 5, verses 7 through 10, and verse 12. So again, I put them together thematically, the praises for what God has done in the past. Let me just read that summary of verses to you, and you can just listen. Verse 1b, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Verses 4 and 5, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Verses 7 through 10. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And lastly, verse 12, you stretched out your hand. The earth swallowed them. So one of the things that you know Israel does, what you see Moses and Israel doing, 
is they praise God for things he has already done. They praise God for things in the past. That is very important. Let's take a look at a couple of things going on in these verses. So in verse 1, you'll know it's repeated multiple times that Israel sang this song to the Lord, and the first lyrics of the song are, I will sing to the Lord. Notice who praise is for. Praise is not for us. Praise is for God. So for many times when people go to a, a church worship service, people will ask each other, you know, how did you, you like the worship? How did you like the praise? And while I'm going to argue in just a moment, that's not entirely wrong. I think it can be right in a secondary way. If that's our primary way of, of thinking about it, then we're misunderstanding the nature of praise and worship. Praise is to the Lord. It is for the Lord. So we're singing to him. It's not just, I like to sing and I like music. That's why we have it at church. That's not why. It is to praise the Lord. We sing to the Lord. It is for the Lord. For many of us, maybe you don't like singing. Uh, you don't like singing. You don't like your voice. Uh, you, you figure, maybe you believe also, and it's actually the reason why you don't sing, that it's primarily for us. And therefore, it's, it's just like an item out there at the hospitality table. You don't have to eat the, the donut at the hospitality table. That's, that's if you would like it, you eat it. And if you don't like it, uh, then you don't have to have it. It's not something where we come and sample it if we like it. No, praise is for the Lord. It is to the Lord. It, we're singing to him. It is for him. So from a biblical perspective, from a theological perspective, the real question, the most important question to ask is, how did the Lord like worship today? How did he like it? What was it like to him? Did God's people sing his praises today? Did they gather together? Did they take the time to meet? Did they make it a priority? Was it a drag? Oh gosh, I have to go to church. I have to uh, I have to go out to the living room and log on. I, oh, I have to sing a song. Is, is that what it was? Because the number one question is, is it to the Lord? It is for him. So again, that, that might mean some readjustment, some reflection for each of us. Again, maybe you're, you're singing, maybe you praise, but is it for the Lord or is it just because it's what you want? For other people, maybe you don't do it because you also thought, oh, well, it's, it's just for me if I want to. And if I don't want to, I don't know. Friends, for all of us, it is not about, praise is not about whether we want to or not. It is about the Lord. We are praising the Lord. We are praising to the Lord. It is fundamentally, what did Jesus get out of worship today? What did the Lord get out of worship today? That is the number one question. Now, I can say, just, just to put this in, it's not wrong, secondarily, for us among ourselves to say, how, how was the worship and the praise for you? Was it, oh, it was great today. It was a, It's not wrong. And here's, here's how I would explain it. When you're giving a gift uh, on, on your birthday or an anniversary, okay, is, is it wrong that you find joy in, in giving the gift? No, of course not. It, it, it should be. I, I, think, I think it should be a joy to give the gift, right? But here's where it gets weird. Do you only get a gift that you like and that the other person doesn't like? That, that would be weird, right? You're like, oh, I really love this gift. I, and I know you hate it, but here you go. You, you have it anyway, and you're secretly hoping they'll reject it so you can you can take it back, and now and now it's for you. No, it's not wrong for us secondarily. To be, oh, yes, I'm blessed. I enjoyed that. But it's to the Lord. It is a gift. Praise is a gift. We are giving to the Lord. And therefore, like any gift, it is primarily and chiefly not about how much I enjoy giving it. Maybe sometimes it, it's very costly. Maybe sometimes it even hurts to give gifts. Doesn't it hurt to give gifts sometimes? I think it does. I think if you've ever been poor, if you've ever been broke, if you've ever literally not known how you're going to pay your, your rent or get groceries for your kids, if you've ever been there to, to give a gift to somebody, 
it, to them, they might not know how much it costs you. They might look at it and go, oh, that's not that much. I make that much in five minutes. But to this person who's like, literally, I don't know if I can pay my rent. I, I, I don't have enough money to get groceries, but I'm, I'm giving you all I have. That, that's the idea. It's ultimately singing and praises to the Lord. And so we have to make sure that that is the attitude that we approach in worship. Singing is to the Lord. It is for the Lord. It is primarily the question of what does Jesus get out of this today? What does Jesus get out of it? And yes, secondarily, God's people, I would hope that we are blessed, that we enjoy bringing gifts to Jesus. But it is bringing gifts to Jesus and not primarily aimed at bringing gifts to ourselves. So we see Israel praises the Lord for salvation in the past. And there's some interesting things that we see here. One of the things that we see is that salvation comes from the Lord alone. Salvation comes from the Lord alone. Notice that. That is what Israel is learning to do. It is so important that they praise the Lord for the past because that is their protection from idolatry in the future. Praise is their protection from idolatry in the future. If Israel continues to praise the Lord for what he has done in the past. If they praise the Lord that you were the God above all gods in Egypt, you exposed all the false gods of Egypt. It was you and you alone that brought us out of Egypt. We didn't fire an arrow. We didn't jab a spear. We didn't swing a sword. We didn't do anything. Salvation was entirely the Lord. So Israel, in praising the Lord for what he had done in the past, it is a protective mechanism. It is sort of, it builds, praise builds an immune system against idolatry in the present and the future. But if we forget to praise God for what he has done in the past, if we forget that God delivered us alone, with no help, nobody else, nobody else's power, no one else could save, there was no other gods, it was the Lord alone. If we focus on that and we keep praising him for what he has done, it actually serves to strengthen our spiritual immune system. Tell me, friends, if this is not so. Have any of you had a season as a Christian where you cease to praise the Lord? Maybe some of you took a time off from church. I know this is very, very common. People um, will just like, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I, I don't really need that. Maybe, maybe somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody burned me, and so I don't want to go anymore. Uh, or maybe, oh, I, you know, I just kind of do church by myself, alone with no people. Um, <laughs> you know, no worship leaders, no, no singing together, no teaching of the word of God from from a pastor, and all this kind of stuff. So I, I think many people, it's a common experience for people to begin to withdraw, to withdraw from praise and worship. And just, at, and just what do you say? What happens? What happens to your spiritual immune system? You begin to get weak. When we, seek to, when we cease to praise the Lord for what he has done in the past, our, our faith weakens. And we are more susceptible now in the present and the future to idolatry to looking to something or someone else in the past. I know this is one of the things where if Israel doesn't preserve this song, they could easily rewrite the story, couldn't they? As a matter of fact, we know that Israel will do this. It's so sad, but it's indicative, not just of Israel. It's not just Israel was weird. Israel was indicative of human nature. Not very long in the distant future in our study of Exodus, we're going to come across a famous story that many of you know of. It's the story of where Israel goes to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up into the mountain to receive the, the commandments of God, but he disappears for some time. And the people say, well, we don't know what happened to Moses. He's probably dead. Let's move on. And and they, they look to Aaron and Aaron makes golden calves. And what does he say about the golden calves? These, Israel, are your gods who delivered you. Do you see how Israel, and it doesn't take long, when they seek to, when they cease to praise the Lord for what he has done in the past, their immune system spiritually weakens, and now, these are your gods 
O Israel, who saved you in the past. For us, it's not golden calves, right? Or if they're golden calves, it's it's spiritual in nature. What might that be? Well, we knew God delivered us from this situation. We knew it was Jesus that saved us from our sins, pulled us out of the pit, put our feet upon a rock. We know Jesus is the one who got us through through this divorce, through this time of uh, burying a loved one who, who was sick with cancer. It was Jesus who got us through this time when I lost my job and I thought for sure uh, we were going to be broken in the street. It was Jesus who got me through this time when a close friend betrayed me and broke my heart and I didn't think I could trust people again. It was Jesus who did that. But when we cease to praise, the story starts to change. And the story can become, man, I'm I'm really resilient. Man, gosh, I'm a I'm a strong person, or oh, thank God I, I have this person now, or or I have this thing now, or oh man, good good thing I went and got that degree, because then I was able to get this job over here. Whew. Thank God I was smart enough to do that. If we don't sing God's praises for the past, our spiritual immune system is weakened, and we begin to tell false stories. We begin to believe things that are not true. So friends, one of the most important things we can do as a spiritual practice, and I don't just mean this as a church, I mean you personally, in your private life, we must praise the Lord for how he has delivered us in the past. Now, number two, Israel praises God for who he is in the present. Israel praises God for who he is in the present. Look at verses two through three and verse 11. So two through three says this, the Lord is my strength, is, notice that, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? So here we see not only does Israel praise God for what he has done in the past, Israel praises God for who he is in the present. Now, many times, Praise is limited to things God has done. Obviously, we've already established that's included. The things God has done, his action in the world, his action on our behalf as sinful, fallen human creatures, his gracious action towards us as individuals, saving us from our sins, redeeming us from all kinds of difficult trials and circumstances. But in the present, it's important to focus on his attributes. Notice that. What are you praising him for? His attributes in the present. Why is that? Because sometimes in the present, we don't see what God is doing. Sometimes in the present, we don't yet see what God is doing. So much of Israel's stories are, of course, history. They are reflections on the past. They are spirit-inspired reflections on the past, divinely inspired history. So as we look back and we see what great things God has done, what do we do in the present when the story, when history has not yet been written? What do we do? Many times in the present, we don't see what God is doing. Maybe that's where some of us, maybe all of us, are at right now. Do we know what God is doing? Do we see what God is doing? I see some things God is doing. I see how God is bringing his people together in prayer. That is one of the things I'm seeing. I am seeing so many people from all over the country and even all over the world and hearing reports of this and rumors of this, of people who normally didn't prioritize prayer, who didn't think prayer was important, but because of the enormity of the trials and the problems that all of us are facing together, people are falling on their knees and they are turning to God in prayer. So I'm literally seeing that. I'm seeing our church, our people really prioritize the Lord. It would be so easy 
during this this time of, of being scattered and and just you know online for for everybody to just oh, forget about it i'm gonna do whatever whatever it is but i'm seeing the holy spirit just bonding people together that christians are valuing this and for some maybe even you learning to value the church and value god's people and value praise and value the teaching of the word and value communicating with one another even in simple ways like text messages and comments that it is uplifting that it is glorifying to god and that it's the holy spirit who's doing it i think we can see those things but i also confess there's many things i don't see I don't know what God is doing. I don't know where things are going in our country, uh, as the United States of America. I, I see divergent paths. On the one hand, I can see maybe we're headed towards an amazing revival. It, honestly, I mean, many times the great revivals of history were preceded by calamity, by horrible, difficult times. And then the, the Lord just did a, a mighty work of revival. So I, I, I can maybe perceive that's where we're going. On the other hand, I see a lot of trends in, in our culture and in, in beliefs and people's values that could be headed for some very, very serious and dangerous consequences. Some very, very serious things that, that could get bad. And I, and I see that too. And you know what's quite ironic? Maybe it's both. Maybe, maybe it's both. I, I, I don't know. But one of the things that happens is, is when we can't see for sure what God is doing, we can see our trust, our faith begin to wane. As we look at the waves, as Peter did when Jesus called him to walk on the water, as we too begin to look at the present trouble, as we look at the waves, we can begin to sink into unbelief. We begin to sink down in unbelief. And so what do we do? It's not like the past where we can look to the past, and we can concretely praise God for what he has done. And so it's important to do that. But what do we do in the present? We focus on who God is, the attributes of God. We praise God for his character, who he is. And this is revealed to us through the Bible. That is why it's so important, why reading the Bible even for some of you where the Bible's new and maybe I don't understand it and certain parts are confusing. But as you're reading, one of the things that happens is you begin to see more and more who God is, his attributes, his character. And the more you know God's attributes and the more you know his character, the more you are enabled to trust him. Because think about that. Isn't that true of, of people? When you are getting into any kind of relationship with somebody, whether it's a business relationship, a romantic relationship, or a friendship, you can't have any of those without some level of trust. But you have to begin somewhere. You don't give somebody all the trust in the world when you met them yesterday. But if you want to grow in your relationship, you'll have to give them something. You'll have to give them some trust. So you you delegate. You allocate just a little bit of trust and what do you do you wait to see what they do with it right over the course of that relationship you give them just enough trust to see where the relationship goes and if they are responsible and by responsible i mean the content of their character who they show themselves to be if through their character they demonstrate good and solid character we then feel wise and prudent to give them more trust and so we increase it. And so the character of a person, the attributes of a person is important for increasing trust. And that is why you and I must praise God for his attributes. So again, one of the joys of knowing the Bible is you get to know the content and character of God. Some of that is revealed in his past action. God said to Moses, I will be who I will be. I will show you who I am. God reveals in his word and he reveals in his actions, but God hasn't revealed all of the things that he wants to do in our lives yet, has he? He's revealed some, so we praise him for the past, but what do I do about the present? You praise him for his attributes. Praise him for who he is. What does the Bible say about God's character? The Bible says God is love. God is all loving. The Bible says that God is just. The Bible says that God is holy. 
The Bible says that God is all-knowing, omniscient, that God is all-powerful, omnipotent, that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, that he's immutable. He, he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The more you know who God is, the more you praise him for who he is, the more trust can be increased in the present. And lastly, number three, Israel praises the Lord for what he will do in the future. Notice that. So in this song, we have a praise for God's past actions. We have praise for God's present character, who he is. But notice this. In verses 13 through 18, we have praise for what God will do in the future. So remember, if you just read through this quickly, you, you might not think about this, but if you pause for a moment, it becomes quite obvious. Where is Israel when they're singing this song? We know that they have just, literally, they have just crossed the Red Sea. They're, they're on the border of Egypt. They've just crossed. And here's this song of praise. They have not entered into Canaan yet. They have not entered into Canaan. They have not got to Jerusalem. They have not built a temple on Mount Zion yet. And notice how in this song we have praise as though they've already gone forward and had victory in the future. Read with me. So remember, they're, they're just on the east side of this sea. They have not entered in. And yet listen to the praise of this song. Verse 13. You and your mercy have led forth the people you've redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. Where's the holy habitation of Israel in the Old Testament? Zion. It's Mount Zion. It's Jerusalem. It's, it's the promised land. They're not there yet. And yet Moses and Israel are singing by faith what God will do in the future. Verse 14. The people will be afraid. Notice that. Not they were in the past, not they are in the present, in the future. A song of praise for what God will do. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. What great faith is this? How do we, as the people of God, get to a place where we can begin now to praise God for what he is yet to do? How do we praise God when we look out at the uncertainty of the future? Lord, I don't know how we're going to make our mortgage payment next month. Lord, I don't know how long I can take being told I got to wear a mask everywhere I, I go and I can barely breathe. Lord, how long are we going to put up with just the madness of crowds, the, the, the way people just can sometimes just not think critically about information and, and just like, how long is that going to happen? What's going to happen in the United States? There's an election, friends, as crazy as 2020 happens. Let me make it worse for you. We have an election cycle <laughs> this year coming up in November. How, how in the world, knowing all of that, knowing that's up there and knowing we don't know the, the, the details of any of those things, how in the world? Do we come to a place where we can praise God for what he will yet do? Friends, I believe this is the goal. This is where men and women are being trained to become men and women of faith. It is through the practice of the first two. It is through looking back and praising God 
for the mighty things he has done and making that a part of your daily life. It is in the present when we don't know exactly what's going to happen today. Praising God for who he is, remembering who we're in covenant with, remembering the content and the character of the God that we worship and that we serve. And as we do these things, friend, sort of the fruit of that, the zenith of that, is being able to look to the future, the uncertainty of the future, and to sing and to rejoice and to laugh knowing that God is in control, that he will have certain victory. Can we sing those songs of praise? Lord, you will provide for my family in the future. Can we sing that? Lord, you will bring us through this crazy political and social. You will. You will show yourself strong. You will get your people through. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And you will accomplish it. And nothing Nothing on the news, nothing that anyone can do, not even a doubt that I can raise up in the depths of my own human, sinful, finite heart. None of that can stop what you will do. Can we sing songs of praise for the future of what God will yet do? Friends, I believe that comes from a place of deep faith and what joy there is for the people of God when they are not only able to look back and praise him for the past, not only in the present to praise him for who he is, but to look forward and to with confidence and certainty praise God for what he will yet do. That is a prophetic witness. Because remember, what is that idea of the prophetic? What were the prophets doing? They were predicting the future. They were telling people about what God had done in the past, what he was doing and wanted to do in the present, and, he pre and they would predict what would happen in the future. We are being a prophetic witness, a prophetic voice in the world, in an unbelieving world, ruled by doubt or, or human pride, by boasting in the Lord and what he will do. We are a prophetic voice, a voice in the wilderness crying out, pointing the way to the Lord. But maybe this morning we say to ourselves, well, that's all great and wonderful. I'm glad ancient Israel looked back on the past and they were able to praise him for things God had already done. I'm glad ancient Israel was able to praise God for who he is in the present, I'm glad Israel was able to look forward into the uncertainty of the future and yet praise the Lord for his future mighty acts. I'm really glad ancient Israel did all that. But there's a problem. I am not an ancient Israelite. I am a 21st century American, and many of us, a Gentile at that. How in the world, or in what way, does any of this song of Exodus 15, the song of Moses, the first song in the Bible, the first song of Israel, how does that have anything to do with me? And the answer is Jesus. Jesus brings the story of the Bible together. Jesus brings the story of the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea and Israel in the promised land. He brings that to fulfillment in himself. He brings the covenants together in the person of Christ. Jesus fulfills the story of Israel, and not only the promises to Moses and Abraham, but the promises to Adam and Eve in the garden. In the incarnation, Jesus fulfills the prophecy in Deuteronomy 18, that a prophet like unto Moses would rescue God's people. On the cross, Jesus defeats the Pharaoh of sin and the armies of death. In the resurrection, Jesus parts the Red Sea of death so that God's people can pass through to the other side to eternal life. <clears throat> and unlike Moses, unlike Moses, who sinned and could not enter into the promised land, Christ, who never sinned, is able to fulfill the promise to never leave you nor forsake you. And so it is that the song of Moses is fulfilled in our praise of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible itself tells us 
this is true. Many people don't look at the book of Revelation as a book of praise, but it really is. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It reveals Jesus. And one of the things about Revelation many people don't notice is, is the songs of praise, the hymns throughout the book of Revelation, that is God is revealing Jesus in his fullness, that that fullness, that revelation of Jesus elicits praise, and it ties together all the people of God and all the songs of worship throughout history, including Exodus 15, together in one place, in the person of Jesus. Listen to what Revelation 15, 1 through 3 actually says. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And friends, listen to what we sing. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Notice this, the song of Moses. This is the song of Moses. Exodus 15, 15, 1 through 18. Wait, what do you mean the song of Moses and of the Lamb? The author of Revelation, John, is saying that the song of Moses, the aspiration for God, what God was doing in the Exodus, is brought to fulfillment in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And notice, he sums up what the song of Moses and of the Lamb is. He says, great and marvelous all your works, verse 3, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, <clears throat> O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. So notice that the saints in heaven in Revelation are singing the song of Moses, our song before us this morning, and the song of the Lamb. And that is because the Holy Spirit is showing the New Testament writers that Jesus fulfills the story of Israel. That Jesus brings together the story of what God has been doing in the world since the very beginning, the God who made the world and everything in it and turned it over to his image bearers, the God who would not stand aside idly and let human beings destroy everything that he had made, but he entered in and he promised with Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. We see the promise to Abraham and Paul teaches in Galatians that Jesus is the seed singular of Abraham, the one who would make true and valid all the promises of God so that the apostle Paul in Corinthians says that in him God is in Christ is the yes and the amen all of God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus and indeed I think we can say here in Revelation 15 1 through 3 that all the songs of the Bible all the Psalms of the book of Psalms find their fulfillment in Jesus that means for us New Testament Christians who read the Old Testament Bible that we are justified in looking for Christ, looking for Jesus, seeing how Jesus fulfills these shadows and types, these narratives, these themes. They are all brought together in Jesus. Jesus himself says, the whole book, the scriptures speak of me. And so, friends, we are looking to Jesus. We are singing songs to Jesus. We sing to him. It is ultimately for him. We bring our gifts to Jesus. We get blessed in giving, but the truth is, it is not for us. It is for him. And so what I want to conclude with today, friends, is, is a couple of challenges for you to do personally. 
I encourage you, these are basic things, but I, I think they're profound. I encourage you to write them down. I encourage you to do them today. Just ask these questions of yourself and reflect on them. Number one, what has Christ already done for you? What has Christ already done for you? Take some time today, this week, if not today, take some time, honestly, with paper and pen, and write down, what has Christ already done for you? What has he done in the past? Think about how you were lost, how you were a sinner, how you were estranged from God. Again, our testimonies could be similar. They could be night and day different. But the Bible says spiritually, whether you were a, you know, a outwardly moral person, you tried to keep all the rules, but inside, therefore, because of pride, you're like, oh, I, I don't know that I need God. You know, I, I'm, I'm a good person. Or maybe outside, you know, like, no, I, everybody knew. Uh, even people who didn't believe in God knew, knew I was a sinner. That's how bad I was. Maybe it's you reflect on your spiritual condition. Re reflect on, man, I was, I was lost. I was utterly lost. Reflect on that. What has Christ done for you? Think about your life circumstances. Think about the many times you've called out to the Lord. I doubt for any of us who are crying out to the Lord today, it's our first time. I know for me, there's so many, when I look at the journey of my, my family, when I, whenever a birthday happens or, or my wife and I have an anniversary, I, I, it's such a great spiritual time of just reflecting on what God has done. My goodness, how many valleys have we hit? Man, the valley of the shadow of death. Man, I remember walking through the season where we, we lost my dad to cancer at 57 and, and just the whole process of, of him dying. I remember, you know, just going through very, very difficult times with family members and, and friends and, and just all these things and financially like, oh gosh, Lord, we're not going to make it. We're crying out to you. And the Lord somehow, some way, um, and again, sometimes it was, it was painful. We came through with scars, but we got through. But how easy do we forget, like Israel? And if you and I are forgetting to praise God today for what he's done in the past, we are weakening our spiritual immune system. And you and I are going to be susceptible to idolatry. We'll start telling the story of how other people delivered us, how our might, our wit, our talent, our experience, that's these golden calves delivered us, no friends. It is so important because Jesus deserves it. And for our own well-being, we need to praise God for what he has already done in your life, what he has done. Secondly, let me ask you this. What attributes of God are most needful for you to focus on today? What attributes of God are most needful, most relevant to you in this present moment. Some, for some of us, again, when you, when you feel unloved, some of you feel like I'm not good enough for God. Maybe that's some of you, you wrestle with that. Maybe some of you wrestle with assurance. Gosh, I don't know if I'm saved. I sinned yesterday. So maybe, maybe God is like some people where, you know, people like you if they, if you do everything they want, but then the second you don't do what they want, they throw you away. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's how God is with me. Friend, for you, you need to focus on the love of God. That God loved you not when you were perfect and you got and you cleaned up your act. He loved you while you were a sinner. That's when Christ died for you. You want to know how much God loves you? Jesus says this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. You need to meditate on the love of God today. Praise him for who he is today. For some of you, you're worried about provision. Gosh, you know, how, how are we going to sustain this? How are we going to pay this? I don't know. You know what's going on? You need to pray and praise God that he is your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. He is our provider. He's provided in the past. He is your provider today. Even if I can't see how he's going to do it, maybe there's not a paycheck anymore. And you're like, gosh, how is he going to do it? You need to focus on God on God's providence, on his providential care, that if even evil fathers know how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Do not worry today about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. That's what the pagans worry about. But you seek first the kingdom of God. Praise God 
for his provision. Whatever it is for you today, saints, wherever you're at, praise God for those attributes. Highlight what those are that most relate to you from what you know of scripture and praise God for that. And lastly, what future challenges are you concerned about? What future things scare you? Perhaps some of you are scared. Perhaps some of you have anxiety and fear. And again, I've shared with you, being honest, I definitely have my moments of the future where I look and go, oh my goodness, that could get really bad. That could get really, really bad. <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, so what do I do with it? It's, I'm not saying, oh, turn off your brain. And if you see something to be concerned about, shut it off. No, but the first thing for us to do as Christians before anything else is to speak that to the Lord and trust him, praise him. Lord, I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold the future. I praise you right now by faith. I praise you. You're going to deliver my church through this. I praise you, Lord, you're going to deliver my family through this. I praise you, Lord, you're going to deliver me through this. I praise you, Lord, you're going to get our, our country through this. I praise you, Lord. Friends, we need to be praising the Lord. It is one of the most simple and most profound ways of increasing trust in God. And I believe more trust in God is what the church needs today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you. And I thank you so much for choosing and inspiring your prophet Moses, your servant, to lead Israel out of Egypt and to write these stories for us, to encourage us. We weren't there, but we know you and you were there, Lord. So we are relationally connected. And through faith, we are a part of the same spiritual household, the Bible says. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning, and I want to thank you personally. And on behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to say thank you for all the great things you have already done. If you were to not do another good thing for us again, we would have already received far more good than we ever deserved. Lord, sometimes we forget that. We, like Israel, are so just nearsighted our memory. We, we can forget what you've done for us yesterday, but Lord, you have done so many great and mighty things. Lord, I thank you for all of us who are Christians. I don't take that for granted. I know so many people who, who've been raised in the church. They know the Bible. They, they've been taught the word of God, and yet they reject Christ year after year. I do not take it for granted that we believe. Lord, I thank you that you pursued each and every one of us, that you did not give up on us, that your Holy Spirit convicted our hearts of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and that we were enabled to believe the gospel. We were able to believe that Jesus is Lord and that you have raised him from the dead. Lord, I thank you for being with us through all our different life stages, Lord, through our childhoods. I know some of us had very, very difficult childhoods, and, and yet here we are. You enabled us to, to be here, to be alive, to know you, to not be bitter and angry, but to rejoice. Lord, you were with us, Lord, through those difficult teenage years. You were with us through early adulthood. Lord, you were with us through marriage. Some of us, you were with us through divorce. Some of us through remarriage, through having children, through having stepchildren, through losing a job, to being diagnosed with cancer, to going through political and social turmoil we thought we would never see in our lifetime. Lord, you have been faithful. Thank you for what you've already done. There's no one like you. We don't deserve you but we praise you. We thank you for what you've already done. Lord, we praise you today for who you are. You are loving. You are holy, just, merciful, powerful, mighty to save. We thank you. That is who you are. You are a father to us. We are your children. We are your beloved sons and daughters, and that is how you want us to approach you today. Lord, I just pray we would praise you for who you are. Lord, as we look to the future, and as I said, there's some things we, we on the surface, we could be optimistic about. There's also many things, Lord, on the surface, we could be very pessimistic about, Lord.
but we praise you for who you are. We praise you for who you're going to be. You are going to deliver my brothers and sisters. You are going to provide for them. You are going to sustain them. You are going to show yourself strong on their behalf. You are going to deliver our church. You are going to gather the saints together. You are going to enable them to rule and reign with you forever. You will get all of history where you want it to go. You will because you are. So, Lord, we just thank you and praise you, and we pray that you would increase our trust, faith, and hope, and love. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, friends, for, for joining us. I, I hope that word was, was a blessing to you today. I really do believe that, that trust, we've got to increase that trust, which means we've got to be praising the Lord. I highly encourage you just to practice that praise, praise for the past, what God's done, praise for the present, who he is, and by faith, tremendous prophetic act of faith, praise God for what he will do in the future. Before we go as a part of our worship and praise, for those of you that would like to give to the Lord financially, there's two ways you can do that. The first way is you can log on to our church website, which is imagechurchoc.com, and there's a giving tab up at the top, and you can click there, and you can give by either debit card or credit card. For those of you that would like to send in a check or a cashier's check or money order or what have you, you can mail that in to our mailing address, which is 27762 Antonio Parkway. L is in Larry, 514, and that's Ladera Ranch, California, 92694. All of that information is on our church website, imagechurchoc.com, so you'll find it there. Again, just real quick, friends, for our, our church members, again, this is primarily an act of worship of God. It's, it's for God, primarily for God. So I just want to encourage you with that. Again, for those of you that have, that have lost your jobs or you've taken a pay cut or whatever it is, don't feel guilty for what you don't have. I just encourage you, go to the Lord, seek his face, and whatever he shows you to give to him, that's that's what you give. You don't, don't worry about what you don't have. Don't want anyone feeling guilty. There's no guilt trip here. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We want to do it out, out of delight, not only duty. Uh, for those friends of us that um, you're not a, maybe a member of our local church, you're a member elsewhere, what we would just first ask of you is just make sure you give first to your local church just as a matter of priority. If that's the place where you're normally able to go uh, physically and geographically, we, we do value that and we appreciate that. And we're not in competition uh, with other churches. We, we love all, all of God's people. We love all the local churches out there and we're so thankful for them. So make sure you give first to them. If after that you're still able to support the ministry of Image Church as a part of your worship of the Lord, obviously we're tremendously grateful for that. And again, for any of you out there that are not believers, you're not Christians, we're not asking for anything from you. So please do not feel obligated to give. Um, friends, we just want to make sure you know what's going on this week. We have six different prayer meetings that you can be a part of. We do a Facebook prayer meeting Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Calvary Chapel main page. So what's great about that is not only can our group join together, but there's people uh, from all over the country and even all over the world joining together in prayer. So it's just a beautiful and precious time. So that's 1 p.m. Uh, every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh, through uh, Calvary Chapel's uh, main Facebook uh, page. Um, also, we do a church Zoom prayer meeting on Fridays at noon. We may move that. We want to get as many of you involved as we can, so maybe Friday at noon is not the best time. Uh, we'll probably do that one or two more weeks, and then we'll We'll look to uh, switch times. Um, again, we're going to be sending, we're going to be having Zoom conversations about how we as Christians can respond to some of the current events. I think it is uh, important for us to begin walking through uh, some of these practical steps. And again, it's not only uh, to, to equip you so that you can continue uh, faithfully as an individual believer, but also how to reach the lost. I think that's really important because um, there's a lot of people that are just 
not listening and yelling and arguing. And we need to be people that win people to Jesus. And, and, and that means we do need to be aware of, of various things going on in current events. And so we'll be talking about that. Um, so again, if any of you would like our church weekly newsletter, if you're not on there yet, um, you can sign up for that. So you can just send me a message through Facebook here, or you can email me at information at imagechurchoc.com. That's information at imagechurchoc.com. And we'll make sure we put you on the mailing list and you can um, get information about all of this. Don't forget this Wednesday, we're continuing our study of the book of Galatians, just an amazing book. It really focuses us on what the gospel is, which protects us against heresy, against false teaching. So I encourage you this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, mark your calendar and make it a priority to join us together for God's Word Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, again, if anyone has any questions about today's Bible study, I'm always open to questions. So you can either ask me here or if you'd rather, again, send it through the Facebook Messenger or email. Feel free to do that. If you have a prayer request, same thing. You can comment. You can send a message through Facebook or you can email me and we'll make sure that we're praying for you here at the church. Again, saints, I, I'm so thankful for you. Um, again, I, I'm overwhelmed and overjoyed at your faithfulness in the Lord, for your pursuit of the Lord, praying for all of you, praying the Lord will bless everything you do, that he'll put a hedge of protection around you, that he'll provide for your families, that he will heal you, that he will lead you, that he will guide you, that he will pour his Holy Spirit out on you and use you and use us to reach the lost and, and change the world for the Lord until Jesus comes back and makes all things new. So again, friends, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you so very much. I look forward to joining with you again together, and God bless you, and I hope you all have a beautiful Sunday afternoon together.